1010 WOLB are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio 1, its sponsors or advertisers. N'écoute pas Babylone. Il t'est fourni des armes pour tuer ton peuple. N'écoute pas Afrique. WOLB Baltimore, a Radio 1 station where information is power. Batwa mayele bo simbani babige Oya bilanga bo simbani bakongo Simbani maboko mungu nalekate O Afrika malobate Musalande Mwindo yangolo Afrika Mbali ya mingao Afrika Hatona mosolo Afrika Tu gâtes ton nom par-ci par-là Thank you and welcome to Congo Live today as we're joining you from Baltimore. This is Patricia Lokwa, your host, joining you with Kambali Musavudi, calling in from Chicago. How are you today, Kambali? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Very excited for a very fantastic show with a powerful woman. So I'm excited. I hope you are as I am excited too. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been a little bit uh, under the weather, but uh, we're making it. The show must go on. Uh, it's been raining a lot here in Baltimore, and I'm sure there's a lot of people staying home today. There's not much to do, given that uh, the rain is pouring out there. So if anybody's sick as I am, hopefully you're taking your medicine and uh, you're doing what you need to do so you can be up and ready for the bright new week that's coming up because the sun is going to be out and shining for the rest of the week. So hopefully the rain doesn't continue. Well, you have to let us know. You can't just say on the radio show that you are sick and you're not telling us what's happening. Should I be worried that I may get in on the phone? Uh, no, you cannot get it on the phone. I have a cold, so I have my tea here. I have my cough drops. I was supposed to take some honey, but I uh, did not do that. So uh, we'll figure out what happens uh, along the show. We're just going to have to improvise as we go. So uh, how is things in Chicago over there? How's the weather for you? Well, the weather is nice. I'm uh, hanging out today with uh, the Congolese community this afternoon. Uh, mm-hmm. They are celebrating the th- uh, 55th anniversary of Congo's independence. Uh, the date actually is June 30th, but I decided uh, to do it on the weekend uh, since uh, most people will be at home uh, to bring the community together to celebrate it. So I'm looking forward to going out there, uh, hanging out with uh, my country women and men. So when you say uh, celebrate, what are some things that uh somebody who may not be Congolese and wants to get involved, what are some things that they do? Is it, uh, you know, music? Is it parties, cookouts? What are some of the activities that the Congolese community does, not only just in Chicago, but in the USA and other parts of the world? I mean, they, they do all of the above. Uh, specifically for this uh, gathering this afternoon, it's going to be a barbecue right at the shore of uh, Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I hope Hopefully there will be some kamundele, which is uh, um, chicken kebab or beef kebab. I was going to um, say chicken. Ah. And I'm looking forward to, to being with my people. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you have a good time and eat enough food for the rest of us who will not be making it. But uh, before we get into the show, if you could share a little bit of the news of what's happening in the Congo, uh, that'll be great. Absolutely. And actually, this is an international news. Uh, there was an arrest in London um, this, uh, this week of a Rwandan general named uh, Karenzi Kareke. 
uh, Karake, actually. And uh, he was arrested uh, under an international arrest warrant that he, you know, the, the Spanish court has been looking for him for probably since 2008. Um, in in uh, 2008, a Spanish judge uh, found that for the Rwandan uh, military officers committed war crimes, uh, crime against humanity in Rwanda and in the Congo, um, that uh, they assassinated three Spanish missionaries, uh, thousands of Rwandan uh, civilians, and uh, hundreds of thousands of Congolese um, civilians also during the 1997 war. And so, uh, given Spain has an international jurisdiction, um, this is the reason why Spain tried Pinochet of Chile, uh, the dictator there. Um, and that's why they took up the case also for Rwanda because one of the citizens was, uh, some of the citizens were killed. So they issued those arrest warrants. Uh, since 2008, no one was arrested. So it came to a shock to us that uh, while uh, General Karenzi Karake was uh, visiting uh, London, he was arrested. Uh, right now, he has been freed on a 1 billion euro, uh, one, uh, 1 billion pound actually. Um, Bell that was paid by Tony Blair's wife, Sherry Blair, which is very interesting. So we're keeping an eye out on that situation. Uh, the second one is around the mining in the Congo. Uh, the Congolese government has just sold a copper mine to a Swiss company, and um, the Israeli uh, billionaire, Dan Gutler, who's been um, pretty much abusing the Congo for over two almost two decades now by stealing or uh, appropriating uh, wrongfully uh, land in the Congo. So the deal is very shady. Uh, this, this mine was a state mine that the Congolese government has literally g gave up. Uh, they sold it to the Swiss company and uh, then Gottler, his group is called the Gottler Group. Uh, the Swiss company is getting 69% of the mine, and uh, the Dan Gutler's group is getting 31% in terms of uh, the equity stake in, the, in it. Uh, it's quite unfortunate uh, that this is happening, and the quarter center Friday has called on the Congolese government to disclose more of the terms of uh, the Congolese government selling its assets uh, in a very shady deal. Another news uh, coming from the ground is that the, the president of the Congo has been asking, um, not necessarily asking, he's going after several governors in the Congo and charging them with uh, corruption. Uh, the timing of these um, charges are quite interesting, given that you know, for the past shows we've discussed how we are getting close to the elections, and that uh, we're seeing how the president of the Congo is uh, latching onto power more and more. And he has actually targeted a few governors, uh, Moise Katumbi of um, the Katanga province, one of the um, most uh, mineral-rich provinces in the Congo, Alphonse Ngoi Kasanji, who is the governor of the Kasai Oriental. You have a lot of diamonds in the Kasai. Uh, and then uh, you have uh, Alex Kande, also in the Kasai Occidental, and Marce Marcelin Sichambo in South Kivu. Um, not that uh, to say that um, the charges against them are not true, but the timing of uh, targeting them is uh, quite interesting, and people are worried about what this will cause. 
And another news around our friends who are still in prison, uh, Fred Bauma and Yves Makwambala, who has been uh, unfortunately arrested wrongfully by the Congolese government. We're still keeping the story alive, but there is uh, there are more youth who are being arrested. Specifically, Godfrey Mwanabuato, who is a lawyer in Kisangani, who was arrested uh, this past week uh, because of a posting that he made on Facebook. Um, and uh, we're continuing to see uh, an attack on youth on the ground who are speaking out against the government, and charges are being brought up against them uh, as are supposed to silence them. Lastly, um, this is a news from the United States. We have our own Congolese youth, Emmanuel Mudiai, who was just drafted in the NBA. He lived in Dallas. Uh, he left the U.S. about a year or so ago to go to China to play professionally and then came back um, he in Dallas and uh, he went to uh, Grace Preparatory Academy and Prime Prep Academy. While he was playing basketball for these schools, um, people started eyeing him to draft him to the NBA. So he was in the pool of uh, new players joining the NBA and the whole Congo is very proud of him. Uh, very proud that now he has joined the Congolese family of other NBA players we've had, such as Dikembe Mutombo, DJ Benga, Christian Ayenga, and Serge Ibaka from Congo Brazzaville, and not to forget our brother in North Carolina. Bismarck Boyombo, is that what you're speaking of? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for that news, uh, Kambale. We always look forward to hearing from you, uh, letting us know what's happening around the world with the Congo and in specific in the Congo. Today we have uh, Regina Bakala, who's going to be joining us from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And she became a citizen not too long ago, and she's going to be sharing her story. She's a mother of two. She's a homeowner. She's a full-time student. And at the same time, she's working. Um, which is something that I applaud her for because not a lot of us are able to to do that. She works for um, an assistant living space and she's dedicated in getting a degree as a medical assistant, I believe. And uh, she came into the USA a few years back and became a U.S. citizen on May 28th. And uh, we're going to be hearing a story of what it is to immigrate into the USA from the Congo in specific. A lot of people, you have uh, people who come from different parts of the world, and a lot of times we don't know their stories. And we hope that she can share a little bit of light on what her story was like. And also people can learn from her experience, and she can give us advice on where, what places we can go when we need help, what are some challenges you can face, and the importance of having a community built around you, and also keeping Congo alive within um, your family. Uh, Kambali, I wanted to ask you, how did you come across her you know what what was so you know you're the one that we were thinking about uh, ideas just for those that don't know we always challenge ourselves to try to bring you something new and Kambale brought her story to the table and was like you know we need to talk about her story and what was what was it about her that you felt that we needed to share this uh, on Congo Live I know I, I was intrigued myself but I want to hear a little bit more from you I think uh, the whole deal of uh, her path to citizenship is a story that uh, the world should know uh, especially given uh, what is happening in the United States around uh, immigration. Uh, we have uh, DREAM Act, uh, we have um, more and more discussion around immigrants in this country. Uh, many people are not aware of the challenges that immigrants face uh, when they come, and they do not even know 
some of the abuse that they may suffer uh, whenever uh, they are threatened with deportation. So her story is quite fascinating about how a hardworking woman uh, with American children, uh, no, children who were born here, uh, we've been paying her taxes daily, um, yearly, and uh, she, she's been a model uh, citizen. Unfortunately, she was caught into an immigration uh, ring um, that caused her to actually spend time in jail. But we will bring her on to share more of the story, and, uh, and we want this story to be heard all across the United States. I'm definitely excited uh, to hear more of her story. Uh, it's such an inspirational story for me, and I hope uh, somebody else can listen to this and be motivated to want to also make a difference in their community after having such an experience. But before we do, let's take a musical break. Uh, by the name, of, we're going to listen to a song. The name of the song is called Binga Zambi, uh, meaning "Call on God" by Hugo Million. And uh, after this song, we'll have an opportunity to talk to Regina and find out more about her story. Zambe, 
More than a hundred women in the village told the UN that they were raped by army soldiers who'd not been paid. There was rampant looting. <laughs> To Congo Live. You were just listening to Hugo Million, a Congolese hip hop artist who's based in Atlanta. He sings about the unsurmountable challenges that are happening in the Congo and how we want God to come and rescue us. And he also shares the different stories as you hear um, the Lingala language being spoken in the background. People are just basically saying what is happening to them in the Congo and um, hopefully we'll get to hear one of those stories today as we listen to uh, Regina Bacala talk about her story but before uh, we get into her I want to remind our listeners to participate in the conversation today if you want to find out anything in specific about her about the Congo make sure you give us a call at 410-481-1010 again that number is 410 one zero one zero and we will start taking the calls around two thirty. Uh and Mrs. Regina Makala Bakala, are you there? Hello, Mrs. Bakala, are you there with us today? 
Yes, yes, I'm there. And welcome to Congo Live. We're so happy to have you here and hear about uh, your story. We have Kambale, who's also on the line. You may not be hearing him. He's still probably thinking about the lyrics of uh, the song that was just playing. Kambale, are you there with us? Yes, Mbote, Tantine Regine. <laughs> and welcome to Congo Live. Um, how is Milwaukee um, right now? How's the weather over there for you? Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think it's uh, 75. It's going to be 75 degrees today in Milwaukee. It seems that the Middle East area, you guys are getting the good weather while we get all the, the rain. So um, as we get into the show today, speaking of your story, uh, we were just listening to a song uh, called Bingan Zambi, and it's talking about the situation in the Congo. If you can share with us a little bit about your transition from the Congo, what led you to come to America or what, were, what was going on in your life during the time that you were in the Congo prior to you coming to America? Uh, so before I came to America, um, uh, I was studying in Congo and I finished and I, I had a degree in um, education, especially history. And so the time was um, Mobutu decided uh, everybody can, because long time we had that one political party. So the time when Mobutu decided we can have too many political parties, I make my decision to go to Palu. And of that, that's the time that I had I got the trouble. And then I have to leave the country, and I came in the United States. When I came in the United States, I felt like everybody always do. When you come to different country, you have to apply the asylum. That's my father. I filed the asylum. Uh, so I went for almost like five years, and the, the asylum was rejected, and then appeal. So that appeal took to take time, took five years. But that time I was working like every American people. I was paying my tax and I have two born American citizens. My children were born here. And then after that um, I got arrested for the immigration to deport me, and they put me in jail. I was um, in jail almost three months in Kenosha. Wow. Well, before you, you get into the story of how you ended up in jail and what exactly happened, what was, um, as we listened to even the news and what Kamali had just shared with us, of somebody getting arrested because they posted something on Facebook. Um, you know, a lot of Americans were constantly on social media and we constantly share our perspectives and we share our opinions about what we feel is happening uh, with the world around us, whether it be government or personal lives. What was happening in your life that you ended up in a situation where you had to flee your country. What in specific had happened? Because I was in the political party. So that political party, at uh, that time, so it was not... Uh, I was teaching, you know, especially I was teaching democracy for women, especially was my, my, my background, my hometown, the village I was born. So I was teaching to women what democracy means. Mm. So that's the way that I got arrested for them. So it was just like uh, um, against Mobutu regime. But it was not. For me, it was not like that. For me, it was just to teach women how democracy means. 
It's interesting that you say that because a lot of times when we look at what's going on in the Congo, um, anytime somebody has a perspective or has an idea or they bring the community together in trying to share ideas, the government constantly feels that uh, there's some sort of threat that comes with that when people become too opinionated. Um, And as you were transitioning to the USA, what was the transition like for you? Did you come by plane or how did you get out the country and what were some of the pressures you were feeling with the with the government that led you to feel that I need to get out of here or if I don't get out, you know, something is going to happen to me. What was the transition like and how did you come to the USA? Did you have family that helped you? Yeah, so and of that, uh, I want to mention that uh, I was raped. It is something I was keeping secret by myself. I didn't want people to know that I was raped. For me, it was that humiliation. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And uh, again and again, but uh, and then I decided, I said, no, uh, I have to leave this country. And then I use, like, uh, everybody, is uh, the law in the United States, you can use somebody's passport. And you can use somebody that then you can stem that's and I use I came with a false name. Mm. I didn't want people to know my real name. Mm. And I came in state. I skipped my country and I came in state. And what happened when you got here? When I got here, so the first thing I did it was to seek the asylum, that's the thing that I did. And then it was denied. And it was because I started to cry and I was somewhat like depressed. I, you know, I lost all uh, the debt and uh, it's and that time too. I was my English was not very well and I was not I understand to English very well. So it was very difficult for me in court to explain and, and it was my first time too, my first experience to be in court. So. Mm. Um, the judge denied my my asylum and then I repair. As I as I hear you sharing your story, I, I think of um when I when I first came to this country I had moved in with my aunt and she had some of the same challenges that you had regarding the speaking the language and I hear you speaking of uh, how you were raped and thank you so much for having the courage to share that story with us um i don't think a lot of people know um you know we have situations that happen here in the usa and when we think of the congo and what is happening in the congo this is uh, an everyday reality that a lot of the women in the congo they face and uh, for you to have the courage to share that story i i, I really want to thank you um for that um wh- one of the things that i think of because um, i can't imagine having to be in your shoes uh, what gave you the courage to keep going on you know you have a country where here you are you have a degree you have your education degree you're trying to empower women and when you're trying to do something for your community you have something come back to you where in any given circumstance most people would just say you know what it's not worth it I want to give up you know what what made you feel that you know what I had to keep going I have to get in the USA and even after getting in the USA you have all these challenges where your asylum has been denied so you have that notion of I might have to go back to this this place that I just came from that I had to get away from what were some of the feelings that you were experiencing when you found out that you were denied you know also it, it's God it's God who you know who give me this courage this opportunity to not stop but to keep doing and uh, 
So when I came in the United States, when my my son was re- rejected and I, I appeared, and I was I said I'm not gonna go back. I'm gonna fight. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fight with my life, and I know God with, is with me, and He will help me. And which which when you first came, where did you where what was the first city uh, you moved into, and what were you doing? When you the first, first came, okay. when the, when the, I came here, I was in uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm. And did you have a Congolese community there helping you, or what was it like? If you could share with us, if you don't mind. Uh, so when I was yeah yeah as a, yes the Congolese community they helped me, and I was with my friend, my my best friend. We went to. College together, we graduate together. So I stayed with her for six months, and after that, I said, "No, I, uh, I have to find my home place because I'm an independent woman. I don't like to depend on somebody." Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned that when I was too young, because uh, I lost my parent when I was nine years old, and I was raised by my uncle. So I learned to be independent, and I said, no, I have to be myself, and I, I find a job. So that time it was when you come, you can have your Social Security. Mm-hmm. So that time that I, I had my Social Security, and I was working with my Social Security. I definitely want to find out um, more about your experience once... Um you were denied asylum, and you mentioned that you were uh, you had to go to jail and so forth. And I want to find out about what were some of the things that were going on in your mind, and what were the, who were the people around you that supported you to make sure that you go from you know being in the Congo, coming into the USA, being denied, and then here you are, you've become a citizen on May twenty eighth. But before we do, uh, let's take a short break, um, and uh, after the short break, we'll talk a little bit more about that transition once you were in the USA and what was going on with the court system and what they required from you. The name of the the song that we'll be listening to is called uh, Bifuka Mitano and the name of the artist is Lopango Yabanka. And uh, after this, uh, we'll talk a little bit more with you, uh, Miss Bacala, about your story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
And thank you and welcome back to Congo Live, um, the authentic voice of the Congolese people. This is your host Patricia Lokwa joining you with uh, Kambali Musavudi from Chicago and we have Ms. Bakala who's on the phone who's sharing her story of how she migrated from the Congo and came into uh, the USA. You were just listening to a song and the song was talking about the millions of lives that have been lost in the Congo, um, sharing uh, the experience of some of these women and some of just the everyday story of what we hear in the Congo and what leads people to migrate as we're sharing with uh, the story with uh, Ms. Bakala. This group is based in Germany. And uh, we want to welcome you, Ms. Bakala, for being on the show. And thank you so much um, for sharing your story with us uh, today. I know you mentioned that you were in Greensboro when you first came into um, the country. And I know that uh, you have two children and you were also married. And how did you meet your husband moving into Greensboro? And what was the transition like for you? I met my husband, so I was in Congo. So when, when I lived in Congo and I came to the United States, Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't know about that because when I got raped and I didn't want him. I told him for the first time about my rape, but for the second time I didn't want to tell him. And you know, for us African women, uh, when they rape you, 
you know, some front of men is just like nothing. And uh, so I didn't want him to go through that. And then I decided to move and to save my life and I came in instead. And then when I came here, uh, thank God, it just was my, it was a miracle because uh, my husband too, when and, you know, he, he suffered too was a political theory, uh, political reason too, and then he had to leave the country. And when he came, he didn't know, you know, that I was, it was just a miracle. So one of his friends arranged everything for him and then and then we came together, and then we we had the first child, Lydia, who was born in Greensboro. Then after that, we decided to move to come in Wisconsin because I was looking to raise my children to not a big, big state. And so we decided to come in Wisconsin. That's as my second child was born in Wisconsin, especially in Milwaukee. And to here I was continue to do my work. And then I tried I had to baptize because we are Catholic and I tried to baptize my daughter. Then I went to find the church. And that's what God sent me the one church, Saint Mary. That's what I meet Sister Joseph Marie who helped me through everything I went through in my church. Wow. And um, you spoke about uh, Greensboro and you're moving to um, Wisconsin. And given that you know, you, you've had uh, college degrees, how, how did that apply to you as you start looking for jobs? Did uh, people allow you to use your degree that you had in Congo? Uh, was it easier for you to find jobs uh, as an immigrant in those cities where you lived? Uh, well, the, city was, when the first time, you know, when I moved here, and uh, so my English was not very good. Even now, my English is not very good as to um, learn. Uh, so the first thing I did is say, okay, let me find something. You know, before I go back to school to find what did I do. So the first thing I did, and, um, I, w- I was working on assisted living. So um, I, I did a test to get my, to be um, certified, uh, certified assistant nurse. And I was working on a nursing home. And... That, that nursing home was just across from my church. So every time when I was was going to work, especially on Sunday, so I would see, oh, so many cars here. What did I? And then one day, and I said, no, I have to go to that church. I went. You know, just like in the Bible when God said, you know, knock the door, I will open to you. And I did exactly the same thing. I went to that parish, and I knocked the door. And I asked them if I can join them to be a member of St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. For them, it was a miracle because that church was pray for a long time that God can send them black for that church. And I was the first black to be a member of St. Saint, Saint Mary's Parish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, you just mentioned uh, her name a few times. 
Who is uh, Sister Joseph Mary Flynn? Uh, Sister Joseph Mary Flynn, I mean, to me, she's always telling she's my mother, Teresa. And just God sent her to me. She's a gift for me. That's because of her that I'm here in the United States. She was working at that church. She was working uh, adult ministry. So when we came, and I was Catholic, and my husband was not Catholic. So we didn't push him, you know, just we asked him if he want to change to become Catholic. He said, yes, I want to become Catholic. And then so that would when Sister Joseph, because she was a ministering adult, and David was uh, take like some course to become Catholic, and then he decided to become Catholic, and then we can baptize our daughter Lydia. So that's why we meet Sister Joseph in the parish, and the parish welcomed us because we was the first black in that church. Or oh, they was asking God the year and the year. They said, oh, they don't want to." They don't want people to think that they're racist. They want black for the church. So we were the first black to build that church. Um, as I listen to you speaking of the church and uh, your specific story, um, I, under- I, I, I can sense the, the sense of community and the importance of community and having support, especially when you're coming from a, a country like the Congo and you're coming into a new area where you may not know people. I know the church has always played a, an important role in giving people a sense of community. And I know, and I'm a true believer that um, when your destiny is presented in front of you, God always has a way of opening doors where everything that always yeah. that may seem challenging is no longer challenging. It's just like you know you're in the right place. And um, that's the sense that I get from you as you're speaking of uh, the church when you came in. It was Everything was happening at the right time. Uh, what was the, the most... What, what did you enjoy most of the community that you moved in when you first went into uh, Milwaukee? What are some things that you liked about uh, Milwaukee, moving there and the community you moved into? The first thing I really liked was the welcome. So they welcomed me. They welcomed us, that church. And uh, the people was calling us and people was, uh, you know, was coming to our apartment to ask uh, what do we need uh, they show us love, mm-hmm. and they won't have to be involved in church. They invite us if we can be member of, of um, what um, youth uh, mm-hmm. youth Chris. The, the, the I say yes, I want to be a member, and uh, I'm telling you till now, I'm a member of that church. And when uh, I'm a black woman. You know, with all, I don't know, too many white friends that I have. And I never feel that I'm black, and I never feel that I'm I'm white. It's some of the friends we always call them sister. We say we are sister in blood. So it's uh, my church. I have, you know, a lot of experience in my church. They help me and my children a lot. Imagine I was in jail. For three months, but people from my church would bring food to my family, took my children to the house, the sleepover, and they would do everything. 
and even my work too, because that time I was working with the Priest of Sacred Heart. When I was in jail, they said, we're not going to fight her. She's going to she's gonna be employed in the Priest of Sacred Heart. They were paying my salary and even my insurance too. They didn't cut my insurance. So if I was in jail, I was receiving my salary like I'm working. Wow. Thank you uh, so much. I, I know... Um one thing that I, I think of as I listen to you when we see such a great division of race within the whole uh, USA and what's happening around um, different parts of the USA, it's such a beautiful thing to hear uh, a story of um, individuals who are not looking at race, but they're looking at individuals as humans. And we're following our hearts versus following uh, what we see on the outside and doing what we should do as uh, human beings in this world and helping one another, especially those who are um, in need. I really want to find out more after this message of um, what are some of the uh, things about the Congo that you've held on to and what are ways that you've kept Congo alive within your family. But before we hear more of that, we want to remind our listeners to give us a call if you want to find out anything about the Congo or um, of uh, Mrs. Bakala uh, to call at 410-481-1010. Again, that number is 410 Eight one one zero one zero. And before we take your calls, we want to make sure that, um, we listen to this one beautiful song, which is our last song of the day. The name of the song is called My Tomorrow, and it's written by uh, or sung by Kueli. Uh, and uh, after this song, we'll listen a little bit more about uh, Miss Bacala's story. Back when I was a kid, I was a little bit different. All I wanted was a perfect family picture. No fairy tale kind of living. We all got a wish list. We don't all get presents for Christmas. But now, I'm on a mission to shine. Got my mom by my side and she one of a kind. And that's why I feel so alive in many ways. But if I fall from grace, I hope heaven waits. Keep the faith, stay focused. But sometimes get lost in the moment. Feeling like a kid having to deal with all these emotions. Now you want to press rewind. I fast forward. Go! A new beginning. Started from the bottom, now we here winning and near finished. One ticket for the ride of your life. Change your tomorrow, see if you pass behind and just fly. Tell me what you're waiting for. You're stuck in the same mold. Switch train to eternal sun. Stop wishing on the rainbow. Can't run away. No, you never back down. Can't run away. No, you never back down. There's only one way to go. Second guesses, lack of direction keeps my head stressing. I'ma need to help a hand with these questions. Nerves about to pop, pop, pop under pressure. Wrong habits, hard to break patterns. Grew up in poverty with just one of my parents. No money to spare, the money wasn't there. Just trying to understand, I'ma wanna be bigger than life. Stop wasting time. No more days in my room watching time fly by. I'm ready for whatever. My comfort zone is where the magic happens. Raise the bar, no limits. Can't slow down till you're finished. One shot, one ticket for the ride of your life. Change your tomorrow, see if you pass behind and just fly. Tell me what you're waiting for. You're stuck in the same mold. Switch train to eternal sun. Stop wishing on the
And thank you for joining us on Congo Live. Um, as we were just listening to Koeli Bueno, better known as Koeli. She's a Belden-based Congolese artist born in 1994. She started her musical career at the age of 17, rapping at a youth center in Antwerp. In 2012, she signed into an independent record label called Beat Vio. And uh, you were just listening to um, her beautiful rap song. I know um, I like listening to her. She has really good, uh, she's a great lyricist just in general. And I know it's uh, one of Kambali's favorites. So he had to make sure he got her in. <laughs> and uh, back to our show, we were talking to Miss Regina Bakala, who was sharing her story of how she immigrated from the Congo to the USA going to Greensboro, from Greensboro going to Milwaukee. And she also shared about how the church was able to embrace her and really help her through her transition. And as she was um, in jail, how they helped her feed some of us. Uh, they were bringing food to her kids and how they were very supportive and the importance of community, especially when you have people who come to a new country, um, what role we have to play as a community. Uh, Ms. Bakal, are you there with us today? Yes. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm um, a little sick, so I'm hanging in there. Um, I believe, Kambali, Kambali, are you still there with us? Yes, I'm still there. I'm still uh, fascinated by the story of hope and faith, especially uh, knowing the story and how the community mobilized. Um, I would like to hear from you, uh, Mrs. Bakala. How, how was it your three months uh, in uh, detention? Uh, for our listeners who do not know, uh, she was unfortunately detained by ICE, which is an organi- uh, a law enforcement agency with Homeland Security, uh, waiting to be deported, but the community mobilized to make sure that she wasn't. Uh, so I wanted to know, you know how, how did you hold up uh, when you were in detention uh, by ICE? It was painful. But first, I have to to let you know that um, and I was waiting for five years, the five years of my repair. I was waiting. So one day, it was, uh, was, uh, it was March, March, March 22nd, and I just came from work, and I was prepared to go to church because it was, uh, that it was uh, Easter time, so I had to go to church. And after make a supper, I went, took a bath. I was in the bathroom. And then the ice came on my house. And they knocked the door. I was in the bathroom. And my husband was in the living room and my children. That time my daughter was five years, five and a half years old. And my son was four. And the ice got in. My husband opened the door. The ice got in in the house. And uh, they kept asking him. Where is Regina? And uh, he said he, he's in the bathroom. So when I was coming from the bathroom, just with uh, my, pajamas. my pajamas, and the eyes came and asked me, are you Regina? And I said, yes. And they said, we're going to deport you. I said, what? They said, yes, we're going to deport you. You leave this country illegal with them. The deport you. And I said, I didn't do something wrong. I'm waiting for the appeal. The appeal so why do you have to deport me? They say yes. And I asked them, so please, can you help me that I can just change 
my clothes. No, you don't change your go like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, can I call my lawyer? No, you cannot call your lawyer. And they arrested me in front of my kids. Wow. And my kids start crying. My youngest one, Christopher, at that time he was four years, four years old, and uh, he asked them, do you arrest my mom? Are you taking my mom to jail? No, you cannot do that to my mom. She, she's, she's a nice woman. You cannot do that, please. And uh, I start crying, and I ask them, I say, so can I say bye, goodbye to my kids? They say, no, you cannot say goodbye to your kids. And I told them, I said, look, you take me to jail. I'm okay, but I know um, I didn't do something wrong, but you're not going to stop me tonight and goodbye to my kids. I went and I said goodbye to my kids, and the eyes tell my husband to put my kids in the room and close the door. And they put them in the room and they close the door, and they put the anchor for me, my hand and my leg, and they put me in the, the car, and I was with just with the pajamas. And, and it was winter. And they didn't let me to take a coat. Hmm. I was, it was humiliation for me. But the first thing I did when I was in the car, and I just said, God, please help me. That's the first thing I did. I think uh, as I listen to you, uh, you're, you're such a courageous uh, woman to hear your story from the beginning and to the point where you have your children who are sitting uh, right in front of you and they're seeing this. Um, as we finish up the show, I want to ask you uh, one last question. And that question is, how have you been able to keep Congo alive in your children with them seeing um, all of this happening and growing up in an environment where they know, you know, they have these memories of uh, the poli- people coming in the house, taking their mother away. What are ways where that you were able to share the story of you coming from the Congo and what had happened to you, and, and how do you keep Congo alive in them? I don't tell my children the whole story, mm-hmm. and um, and always just tell them to the good story about about Congo. So she always told my kids. It doesn't mean that you, because you're born in the United States, they, you don't have to think about Congo. You have to know that we are from the Congo. And my kids, my kids love the Congo. I always tell them about the Congo, the good thing about the Congo. And when I educate my children, always mix the two cultures. I take a Congolese culture and American culture because I want them to know where they where they're from. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, for our listeners who are listening in, uh, there's a book that you can purchase talking the, telling the story of uh, Miss Regina Bacala. The name of the book is called Rescuing Regina. We also have a caller who's calling in, but unfortunately we ran out of time. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Seku, if you have a question, you can always go on Congo Live and ask your question, and we'll make sure that we rely your question to uh, Miss Regina Bacala if you have any specific question for her. And we want to um, remind our listeners to tune in 
next Saturday at 2 o'clock on Congo Live. And Miss Regina, thank you so much for joining us today on Congo Live. It was a pleasure having you and listening to your story. <coughs> and, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was, I was no, we just wanted to say thank you. Um, it was it was an honor to hear your story. <laughs> and thank you, thank you very much for inviting me to be, you know, in life on your on your program. And I really appreciate that. And uh, I hope that in the future, you know, the, you can call me. We can talk again because I really want to help the woman. Definitely, I definitely. Want to go back and go help. And uh, we encourage you on your path uh, as a strong Congolese woman who's in the USA making a difference by just sharing her story. And we would love to have you on Congo Live. We want to thank Mr. Lubangi Munyanya of Tabilulu Productions, our producer on Congo Live. We also want to thank Daniel Lin, our social media uh, person, and Shay, who's our Congo Live engineer, for doing such an amazing job with us today. And thank you, our listeners and our supporters. And uh, sorry to the caller who wasn't able to uh, get their call in. Next week, we'll definitely be on. And uh, anybody who wants to call, make sure you always call at 2.30. And thank you for listening to us on Congo Live. Thank you.